When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's show, everyone's mad at Diablo for their big old patch and their live stream. A bunch of cool stuff got announced at San Diego Comic-Con. And I have a special guest here to talk to me about Armored Core 6. And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am Andrea Renee, joined by the one, the only, Mrs. Rihanna Manuel-Pena. Welcome back, Andy. We missed you. Hey, thank you. I know, I missed you guys too. I'm sorry that I couldn't be here last week, but I was off doing cool things, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But we have a very special guest here. Please welcome the senior editor at Shack News, Ozzy Mejia. Hello, everybody. Longtime listener, first time guest. So <laughs> it's great to be here. Ozzy, when it dawned on me that we hadn't had you on the show yet, I was so embarrassed because Ozzy and I go way back. For all of the Weekend Confirm fans out there, Ozzy and I first podcasted over a decade ago together with some wonderful people, Garnet Lee, Jeff Kanata, Christian Spicer, and a bunch of others. And the fact that you and I have podcasted, you know, so long ago and hadn't done it recently is quite frankly shameful for me, Ozzy. I'm just going to call it out. Weekend Confirm was my first podcasting experience, and I was able to get through it largely because of you and Jeff. So I really appreciate you guys helping me through that. Those first few shows and it's just great to be here almost 10 years later we've been doing this a while we old ozzy we old <laughs> i was gonna say that but <laughs> but we're crushing it and doing the thing and i love that i get to see you at all of these video game events we were both just at comic-con which we'll talk about in just a minute and we both were at the Bandai Namco Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon preview event, which we're going to talk about in hands-on. So I'm so glad that you are here joining us today, lending us your expertise. We have a fantastic show lined up, everyone. Before we get to that, I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewy's Godson, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, and Punctified. You can join our wonderful Patreon community at patreon.com slash whatsgoodgames. Like Ozzy, who's been supporting us since day one. I love you, friend. Thank you so Aww. much. We read your name every month in our elite shout-outs, and it's always so fun. I noticed. You guys may be wondering, hey, where is the blonde wonder, Brittany Brombacher? Well, she's not here this week. She's got some other stuff going on, but don't worry. She'll be back. She's just, you know, off doing her thing. Today's show is also brought to you by MeUndies, Shopify, and Factor, but I'll tell you more about that later because I was at San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. It was fun. I hosted two <laughs> panels. So for folks who don't follow me on social media, I had the awesome opportunity of working with a couple different deans at Comic-Con. I hosted the panel for Creating the Expanse, a Telltale series with some great people from Deck Nine and Telltale Games. And that was super fun. We got to unveil new DLC. And then I also got to host the Invincible 20th anniversary panel with some wonderful folks from Skybound. So more coming about that. 
that. Ozzy, you were also there for like a hot minute. <laughs> Basically only a hot minute. I was just looking around and I was actually surprised at how crowded it was. And you hear about the big movie and TV companies not being there. Even before the strike, they weren't planning to be at Comic-Con this year. But even with that and everything being about comics and to some extent video games, as we'll get into, it felt like a hot show. And I don't know if it's because people missed it during the pandemic. I mean, it was live last year, but it took a couple years off because of COVID-19. But you know, maybe people are just hungry for that con experience again. Absolutely. I was thinking that it's back to form. I went to Comic-Con last year and they had a very rigorous COVID-19 protocol, which I appreciated where you had to get a wristband and you had to wear your mask everywhere. None of that this year. Yeah, very that much like, was not so much this time it was around. Very much just like this is like the Comic-Con of your and it was packed and there was a bunch of cosplayers and people having fun, restaurant activations. It definitely just felt like regular Comic-Con. But as you mentioned, had a little bit of a different vibe vibe in terms of big movies. And honestly, I think that's okay because that's not what Comic-Con was originally about. And I loved that so much more focus was put on the art and the artists who make comic books and the history of comic books this year and talking about projects around comic books, like video games that aren't movies and TV, there's, which always come in and steal the show. There's a greater emphasis on the culture this time around. And that did extend to video games. There wasn't a big video game presence, but there was a pretty sizable one. There were areas for uh, Street Fighter VI, Diablo. I even saw a photo set up for Star Wars Outlaws, which is pretty cool. Yeah, they had the K's speeder on the show floor and you could jump on. With the and... moving background. I really like that. <laughs> yeah, it was super, super fun. I actually did a very brief tour of the show floor and I missed it. And then I saw everyone posting and I was like, oh my gosh, do I go back? And I just did not have time because I was only there very briefly. Briefly, it was easy to find. It was right there by the Diablo booth. But it was in Hall A, and I entered at like Hall E. And if you've been to Comic-Con, you know just how far away that is. <laughs> and if you haven't been to Comic-Con, that is a long walk. You get a workout when you go to the show. Yes. Yeah, so I didn't make it all the way down there because they reversed the sides that the video game stuff is on because normally the video games are on the other side, which is why I entered on that side. And instead, they're like, actually, we're changing things up and video games are on the other end. And I was like, but it's they're, like they're Everyone on their <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's just go ahead and jump into some of this Comic-Con news. Since we're talking about Star Wars Outlaws, they had a panel at the show. Friend of the show, Chastity Vincenzio, who works for Ubisoft, hosted the panel, of course. Massive Entertainment is developing this game in conjunction with Lucasfilm Games. Take a shot. We're talking about a Disney game. Everybody, yes, my husband works for Disney and pushes up my glasses. So they had a big panel. They talked about the game and talked about some gameplay elements and the big headline that a lot of people have picked up is Star Wars Outlaw Devs promise it won't be a 300-hour epic unfinishable RPG. Yay! Writes Kat Bailey, news boss over at IGN. IGN.com everybody, give them a click. So I'm not going to go through everything that the panel went through, but I love that Julian Garrity, who was the creative director, just is like, yo, we're making a cool game, but don't worry, it's not going to suck away your life. Rihanna, are you excited about this? Beyond excited. I, I'm... I'm <laughs> There's just so many games. <laughs> There's just so many hours in the day. And I, for one, appreciate a straightforward experience as much as the next person. But it's good to have an RPG that can get thrown in there that feels doable, right? It feels like you can actually complete all of the tasks, maybe even do all of the side missions. Like, wow, imagine. I love 100%ing games when I can, but so many of these larger bespoke experiences don't make it possible. And I find that really demotivating. So I, for one, am excited to see something that is not a 
300 hours because I don't have that much time. No, definitely not. In the panel, they also talked about how you can take on missions from classic Star Wars characters like Jabba the Hutt, because obviously this is a scoundrel story. They talked about crime syndications and how... You know, building your reputation in the game is going to be a big gameplay progression mechanic. So I think it's cool that they just are like, yes, everyone's wondering, yes, Jabba's going to be in the game. And I think that that's really great. And I'm with you on the length of the game. I think what we saw from the gameplay at Ubisoft Forward's event around Summer Game Fest was so impressive. I don't want how beautiful the gameplay looked then to be downgraded because they make it this massive open world experience. I'm like, I like a short thing. I loved what Obsidian did with the Outer Worlds and making this really fun space RPG that wasn't like this gargantuan time suck. That was this really nice boutique handcrafted experience that still felt like there was a lot to explore and experience without it being overwhelming. Yeah. Ozzy, do you like having massive games? Are you like, I want everything? Or you're like, nah, crafted is good. Uh, with the job that I have, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time for the massive games. So it's always good to hear that there's something that's not 300 hours, but something closer to like maybe 50 to 60. And that's fine. There are, I mean, if you want a 300 hour Star Wars experience, I mean, Bioware has been doing it with the Old Republic for about a decade now. So it's out there, but it's nice to have something that's somewhere in between the Old Republic and in between like about the 20 or so hours that I got with the Star Wars Jedi Survivor. I definitely appreciate that there's something in between. Yes, a little Goldilocks moment, if you will. Some other news that happened, Insomniac Games did a panel for Spider-Man 2, which is coming later this year, and they revealed a brand new PS5 that has custom art on it for Spider-Man, and I like that it's a dark PS5. I know a lot of people have been asking for a black PlayStation 5 because the one they have now obviously is white and I really like it. So this art is really cool. It also comes with a DualSense controller. So it's a limited edition bundle that they revealed at Comic-Con and I think the art is pretty cool. I think it's very divisive. The people I asked about it, some were either like, I love it and others were like, meh. Wait, wait, wait. Who's going meh? I can imagine somebody like not liking it and like having like a more animated opinion about it but just straight meh. I mean, that design doesn't scream meh to me. Yeah, here, let me pull up the art and I'll put it on screen for everybody if you're watching at youtube.com slash what's good games. Okay, um, I see. So red and black, but mostly black. Yeah. In the design. Yeah, so that's the dual sense. And then let me find the console. Yeah, so it's mostly black and it's got this like little splash of red on it with the spider logo, you know, Spider-Man's mm-hmm. like quintessential logo. So I get me, it. It's like, the... you know, the symbiote from Venom is kind of like creeping in on the, the red spider It's area. swallowing it up is what right. it's doing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so the console there. Even just the darker colors are preferable to, you mentioned the white PS5, yeah. the base design. It draws so much dirt. And I'm not so much a fan of that. You got to keep that thing clean. Otherwise, it looks really unseemly. So having something a little darker color is a nice option. Although I've already got like my solid state drive hooked up to that thing. I'd hate to have to kind of move that thing around. Yeah, the PlayStation 5 is a little too expensive to be buying a variant at this stage for me. I definitely want like skins. They talked about the idea that those fins, like those blades, right, would be customizable or potentially replaceable. You could just pull the blades off or like add something on top of them i would love that instead of having to buy a whole new console just being honest it's money's (laughs) money's tight you know all around man playstation was not cheap (laughs) 
money's tight, but the holidays are coming. At least they will be by the time the game comes out. You know, Ozzy, that's a very good point. You know, it's interesting that you say the holidays are coming. I'm like, no, it's not. We're in summer. And I'm like, we're literally days away from August. Mm-hmm. That means that, yeah, no, the year is more than halfway done. And it's going to be one giant game snowball until we hit December. Uh, <laughs> I just- oh, no, the, the fall season is going to creep up on us. And once it gets here, the game of the year debate is going to be really, really tough. It, it's tough now. Yeah. And that's before like all the good so that's before like Starfield even comes out. That's before Ugh. Baldur's Gate even comes out. We talked about Brittany earlier. She's out there preparing for Baldur's Gate. And that's going to be <laughs> probably on a lot of people's uh, must-play list right now. Absolutely. There's just too many good games. What a time to be a gamer. It's a good problem to have. Yes, absolutely is. So some other news that happened at San Diego Comic-Con, you know, you mentioned Mortal Kombat. So Warner Brothers and Mortal Kombat had a panel as well. They announced some DLC characters. They did also show some trailers about some other characters that are going to be in the main game which I'm going to hold for just a second. I'm going to pull up this DLC trailer because... Oh, it was, it was exciting. It's like, it's fun on a number of levels because they, <laughs> they just like really picked some really fun characters to oh, go yeah. with. So the characters that were announced were Homelander and Peacemaker, both coming. And then here's the reveal, Omni-Man from Invincible. And Warner Brothers has confirmed that, yes, J.K. Simmons, who voices Omni-Man in the animated series, is going to be voicing the character in Mortal Kombat as well, which is super exciting. Just like some really fun DLC coming. And I love that, you know, like, I mean, like, Peacemaker? Really? <laughs> like, and you, know, you mentioned that they head. confirmed that J.K. Simmons is doing the Omni-Man, but they didn't say anything about John Cena coming to do Peacemaker. I feel well, like I mean, that's it definitely on, on looks points. like his likeness. I have to yeah. imagine that he's going to... I would think so, too. ...to voice it. But, like, now that you mention it, isn't it wild that people are like, all I need to know is about Omni-Man? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I don't care about John Cena and Peacemaker. I um, love that NetherRealm has these themes for their Mortal Kombat DLC seasons. I think uh, the one for Mortal Kombat 11 was, they did 80s action heroes, and now it looks like we're getting comic book heroes. And oh, I think, they're not heroes. And not just like, Those are not and, heroes. Oh, comic book anti-heroes, <laughs> especially as I look at Homelander. That, that dude ain't definitely no hero. But yeah, I, I like that the themes that they're going with. I'm already interested to see what they come up with for like, if they do a season two. And it's just like, the possibilities are, are up there, especially with the cameo fighter system and the cameo fighter system that lets them throw in whoever they want without having to worry about them getting like dismembered or anything. It's like, well, we don't want our character to get like gored or something. It's like, well, what if they're a cameo? They can just come in for a few seconds and they'll just jump in and out. Exactly. And I got hands on with this at Summer Game Fest and it was one of my favorite games. I mean, I already knew. Y'all know I'm a Mortal Kombat stan. I already knew that I was going to like this game regardless of it being at Summer Game Fest and being one of the best games there. But I was like slightly worried with the short amount of time from when they announced the game to when it was releasing because that either works out great or works out real bad. And it looks like it's going to work out great for NetherRealm. And I was super excited to see Ed Boon on stage at the Invincible panel. He made a cameo at the end to talk about Omni-Man being in the game. And it just felt like such a good partnership because for people who aren't familiar with Invincible, the comic book series or the animated series, it's bloody. It's violent. It's very gory. It's very like adult rated. Like you think cartoon, it's animated. Kids is like, no, do not show this to children. Oh my God, no. (laughs) Dear Lord, no, not the children. (laughs) So violent. So many 
like body limbs being like ripped out in very gruesome ways, blood mechanics and crazy workings. It was wild. Like, and it was so nice to like have Ed Boon have that moment with Robert Kirkman on stage. And I was like, how do you guys decide which game is bloodier or which property is bloodier? Is it Mortal Kombat or is it Invincible? <laughs> we brought up that trailer during the uh, in our Shack News Slack. And I, I guess someone was like, wait, why Omni Man in this game? And I go, because he's going to show these people how it's done. I mean, do you remember that last episode from season one? Like, I mean, the first that, episode, like, geez. Even the first episode, but just like, I'm remembering that gruesome scene in the subway at the end. It's just like, oh, God. Like, it's, it's like people who ask why Omni-Man clearly have never like read Invincible or watched Invincible. They don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's okay to not know. Shield yourself if, you know, you have a faint of heart. <laughs> not for the faint weak, of heart. It's not for weak, the squeamish. Weak no. stomach or whatever they say. Yeah. No, it's it's intense. But if you're into that and you haven't, then you're missing out and you should, you should definitely go check it out. So I'm trying to get a confirmation here on John Cena and I'm getting like conflicting reports. Like, I'm seeing headlines that say John Cena confirmed, but I actually don't, like, have a legitimate source that confirms that John Cena is actually voicing his character Mm. because his likeness may be used, but he might not actually be voicing it because, like, in Hollywood, those are two different things you have to pay for. So Um, you're saying we can't see him? No, I'm saying you. it's confirmed that it's his likeness being used as Peacemaker. Rihanna got it. I got it. Uh, uh, uh. Okay, fine, fine. You got me. Mm. Ozzy. I love you, Ozzy. Okay, continuing on. While we're talking about Invincible, Ubisoft unveiled Guardians of the Globe, a mobile game that was playable on the show floor at Comic-Con. And I believe it's coming out later this summer. It was like people tend to do. They're like, oh, Invincible, a game, cool. Oh, a mobile game. Mm. Aww. And I'm like, y'all, come on. There's mobile some games really can be cool too. Yes, I love mobile games. There's so many good ones out there. So the Guardians of the Globe are a group in the comic book series. We see them briefly, bloodily. <laughs> In the animated series, and it's a RPG set in the Invincible universe featuring a storyline that's brand new to the series. It's going to offer, according to the website, multi-battle action, character collection, squad management, idol features, and super-powered visuals. That's, that's the marketing language. Yeah. That's good. But what does I played multi-battle it. action mean? I, you know, that's a great question. It's a basically it's a free-to-play idle RPG, like for yeah. folks who are into the mobile space. I'm and used to hearing buzzwords, but that's a new one for me. Yeah, there's a there's a lot going on there, and it's coming to iOS and Android devices. And I played it very briefly on the show floor, so not nearly enough to actually give hands-on impressions, but looking to see it in more detail in the future. They also announced Invincible's Adam Eve, a visual novel game, is in development as well. And you get to play as Adam Eve, who's super cool. Did I accidentally bound or cosplay as Adam Eve at the panel? Maybe. Um, (laughs) And you get to explore her life and the difficulties that come with it. If you've read the series, you know, Eve goes through some shit. And uh, there's going to be, basically, because it's like a playable visual novel, it focuses on character choices. What I really like about this is that the art style is very reminiscent of the comic books and it's like a playable visual novel which is super cool and then it's got 
two fantastic female leads that are developing this game, which is super fun. Love that. One of them is Jill Murray, who I had the pleasure of working with on Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and she has worked on multiple Assassin's Creed games as well. So she is leading up the narrative team, and then Rossi Gifford is leading all the artwork. Now, does this tie into the Adam Eve one-shot that we got on uh, Prime Video about a week ago? That is a great question that I do not have the answer to. I would imagine no, but I don't know specifically. Or maybe yes, because it's about Eve's life. So if they're just pulling from stuff from the series and the comics, then probably. I appreciate that they're exploring her character more. She was one of my favorites from season one. Yeah, she's super cool. She's got a lot going on. I love that she's getting her own thing. So that was another announcement. Other things happening. Fortnite and Futurama are having a crossover. So if you're into Futurama, starting now, which was a couple days ago. It says today, but not today. You guys know. Fortnite players can purchase a number of Futurama-themed outfits and accessories in the shop from Bender Fry and Leela. And the various accessories (laughs) include the Nibbler backbling for Leela and the Hypnotoad backbling for Fry, as well as Planet Express glider and a new emote. Themed after Zoidberg's iconic shuttle. And there's also going to be the new weapon, Bender's shiny metal ray gun, is coming to the game as well. Um, <laughs> Rihanna, are you a Futurama person? Oh, I'm a huge Futurama person. What? When I, when really? I, How did I not know this about you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, when when I heard that Bender was coming in the game, I was wondering if they are going to find a way to, to work in my shiny metal something. <laughs> and I'm really excited that they named their gun after it. So I can't wait for Fight this. Fight my shiny metal ray gun. <laughs> Oh, I cannot I wait it. to play. This is going to be fun. I'm amazed that they keep so close to that original art style. Like, yeah, Fortnite does some amazing things. And I know some people like to dismiss it because, oh, it's just Fortnite. But like, no, Epic Games does really outstanding work for a game that's been out for several years now. And that could easily rest on its laurels. And like, it, they don't it, have to go all out like this. And yet here we are. And it's amazing how they mix so many different styles of animation and the, the different visual like applications. Like they have like cell shaded characters. They have full 3D models. They have 2Ds. Like they have the Futurama series and then they cut to them in Fortnite and they look exactly like they do in the show. Like it's amazing. They, they really do way better than they have to, honestly. Well, I mean, when your whole job is just to put out updated DLCs, essentially... Make yeah. them good. They're yeah, but they it. could just they could just do like glorified skins. Like they don't have to go this hard. And yet, <laughs> yeah, and yet they do. Like, I guess I guess you could they could they could phone it in. That's true. But but why? Go hard. I love they it. have Keep pride in their it. work, right? Keep it coming, Epic. Yeah. Keep it coming. We like all the things. As I mentioned at the top of the episode, another one of the panels that I hosted was for The Expanse. And I was super excited about this DLC announcement. So during the panel, Stefan Frost, who is the game director, announced that there's a bonus episode of DLC coming called the Archangel episode. And it features one of my favorite characters... Avasarala, who is such a badass. And she is going to be voiced by Shorei Agdashtu, who voices oh, her, yes. who plays her in the series. And I'm super pumped about that. And unfortunately, because of the writer's strike, neither Karagi, who plays Kamina Drummer, nor Shorei, who you know, plays Avasarala, was able to be at the panel. But I love that both of them came back for this and it's going to be great. And because this is a prequel story, they are doing some really cool exploration with both of these characters. And I can't wait to blame. Very excited. So that's coming in the fall. You can't find a double for her. Like, it's not possible. No, you're correct. It's like that voice is iconic. 
for somebody like me who has almost no knowledge of The Expanse, try and sell me on it. Like, why should I jump over to Prime Video to get to watch The Expanse and get those first few seasons a look? Oh, boy. Well, first off, are you into sci-fi? I certainly am. Did you like Mass Effect? Yeah, kind of. Okay. Well, if you kind of like Not the Mass- biggest Mass Effect fan, I know. It's okay. <laughs> no, Rihanna's giving me a look right now. Well, listen, we're going to have to talk about that later, you and I, because you know I'm Mass Effect fan. Wouldn't be the first time. Number one. It wouldn't be the first time. I would say if you're into sci-fi and you like political charge narrative and big bombastic drama and action, then this is the show for you. There's basically like a few episodes that just feel like Mass Effect, the TV show. So I was super obsessed with it. But obviously without the aliens, there's like no aliens really in this show. There's like a couple creatures, but there's not like aliens you talk to and there's no like humanoid aliens or anything like that in the novels or in the show. So that's like the big difference. Because I know people who come from different planets. I I got a chance to play that first chapter of of the Telltale series courtesy of Telltale. And I saw some of those... uh, those characters from different planets. So there aren't that many aliens out there? No, because they're not really coming from different planets, so to speak. They're coming from colonies that originated from Earth. And then you have the Belters who are basically just like people who live on space stations, like throughout the like far reaches of the solar system. And then there's multiple generations of people born on the space stations and they basically just live in space their whole life. And so there's like a really complex you know, hierarchy around that and, you know, the politics around Earthers and the resources that you can only get on Earth and some of the resources you can only get in space. And then Mars has its own faction. But again, these are just people from Earth living in colonies on these other planets, but they're not from these other planets. Does that make sense? It sure does. So that clears that up. But there's a whole exploration into exploring new planets, but I don't want to give away too much if you're planning on watching it because you should watch it because it's very good. But the game is about prequels, so that's what's very exciting. Anyway, it's good. I'm excited. It's out this week. It's literally out tomorrow from when we're recording, and Ooh. I'm very pumped. And I, I was funny. I was talking with the team from Deck Nine, who made a bunch of Life is Strange games, by the way. So if you're like, who is Deck Nine? Oh, yeah, you should know who Deck Nine is. They've made some of the best Life is Strange games. Yes. They made uh, True Colors. Yes, and Before the Storm, which I also love. And I've worked with them on several panels before, so it was really nice to kind of reconnect with some of that team. But I was talking to them being like, how do I, as a fan of Deck Nine games and these narrative games, knowing that there's going to be some like intense cliffhangers at some point, balance my desire to want to play this game every two weeks because they confirmed that the episodes are going to come out, drop every two weeks? Or do I wait and just binge it all at the end? And they're like, I don't know. You're going to have to figure it out. I was like, ugh! I don't know what I'm going to do yet. I haven't decided. <laughs> there was always a crapshoot with old Telltale games. There were some games where you could just binge it at the end. And then there were others where it's like, you risk getting spoiled mm-hmm. if you wait too long. I mean, that definitely happened with The Wolf Among Us. There were spoilers going out there. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to wait on this. Yeah. It was definitely there for the first few seasons of The Walking Dead. Yes. I definitely remember that. And then from there, it's just like, well, it got a little easier to binge because, you know, there wasn't that same attachment. To the, later, to the later stuff. But this definitely feels more like kind of a revival, kind of like closer to that earlier Telltale formula. And I'm looking forward to it. There are a few things that are different. I remember there, the choices being a lot more binary in that first chapter. It's just, it's definitely more like A or B as opposed to A, B, C, or silence, which silence was always an option back then, not so much this time. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. Me too. All right, let's 
recap San Diego Comic-Con news and move on to some other gaming news. But before we do that, a quick message from one of our sponsors. This week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by MeUndies. Let's talk about your underwear for a minute, shall we? You know, that one special pair that's your go-to for date night to make you feel your best. Or maybe you've got a special pair that's your go-to for baggy sweats and watching movies on the couch night, giving you maximum comfort. We all have something we like to wear when we want to feel confident, comfortable, or attractive. MeUndies opens a whole new world where every pair of underwear is good enough to be the one for a specific feeling or occasion. MeUndies is here to expand your horizons by offering a variety of undies that can be your perfect match, no matter the occasion or the mood. Fancy a fun and vibrant day? Well, choose from the wide range of bold colors. Or maybe you're ready to break a sweat. Their Move Me collection is designed for dynamic movement. Or perhaps you just want some downtime. Well, the classic hues offer the ideal comfy vibe. Y'all know we love me undies here at What's Good Games. I have been living in my romper that I bought last summer. They've got so many new fun patterns this year. Plus, y'all, they have swimwear, which is phenomenal. They're men's trunks. I've got John like three pairs. Ugh, I love how they've expanded their collections over the years. Now, with me undies, comfort is not just an option, but it's a guarantee. No matter what your day has in store, MeUndies ensures you feel great from the inside out, from jumpsuits and lounge pants to swimwear and active gear. Being a MeUndies member also turns your mailbox into a monthly box of happiness. You'll get discounts every time you shop, and y'all know they do super awesome member-only sales throughout the year, too. I love me a deal. If y'all want to enjoy a 25% discount on your first order and standard free shipping, well, head on over to meundies.com slash WGG. That's been our URL for literally years now, ladies and gentlemen. If you want to support What's Good Games and make your butt feel good, meundies.com slash WGG. And their promise, if you're not completely satisfied, it's on them. So why wait? Get 25% off your first order at meundies.com slash WGG. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This next piece of news has been a little controversial, tumultuous, spicy. <laughs> this whole fiasco has just been interesting to watch unfold. And as somebody who has friends that work on this team and who knows Adam Fletcher, who was on that live stream, I feel for the people at Blizzard and what they're going through trying to interface with their community. Because, oh boy, it's been, it's been the Wild West out there. So Diablo 4 one of the most popular games of the year. Broke records, everyone's playing, the new season just launched. They rolled out a very big patch that had some very big changes, particularly for my sorcerer and everybody else's sorcerers out there. Turns out everyone was mad about it. And they promised, we don't plan on doing a patch like this, quote, ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best. <laughs> 
So have you all been watching the discourse around what's happening with this patch? Yeah, I've seen the discourse, that's for sure. It's sad to see. And uh, I mean, bad patches happen, but like it's an anger to the level that I'm sadly used to from like seeing what developers from like Blizzard go through, but also what developers from games like Path of Exile go through. Path of Exile being like the closest Diablo competitor. They've had some patches that haven't gone over well with the community and their discords, they blow up and not in a fun kind of way. We've seen it happen with Destiny 2 as well. Like when there's a patch that disproportionately affects certain aspects of the game, like, yeah, it's a mistake, but like, does it really warrant that kind of backlash? Or am I off on this? No, no, listen, everyone's allowed to have their opinions and there's nothing wrong with being passionate. Like we talk about in our What's Good Game community sites, whether it's on Discord or Facebook or Reddit, wherever, you're allowed to be passionate and to have feelings. You're not allowed to be a jerk. You're not allowed to be an asshole. You're not allowed to threaten people, harass people, you know, and I think that's what's been happening is that there's people just like taking it way too far and it's like a yo, this is a video game. Let's like step back for a moment. We don't need to be like threatening people. And I appreciate that the team at Blizzard is like, hey, we're listening. We're watching the the reactions. And we're also prepared to admit when we made a mistake, which they did in this fireside chat. So key members of the Diablo team, according to the writer from Eurogamer, said that they acknowledge everyone's feedback, admitting that while the goal was to slow players down who were blasting through content, the nerfs had the opposite effect of what the team intended, which had been to make the game more fun for players. So Adam, the community manager, said, we want to acknowledge everyone's feedback. We know it's bad. We know it's not fun. But we also want to talk about what we're trying to achieve specifically with this patch and what the changes the players ended up seeing. So... I think I understand what they were trying to do. And I think the balance is that, you know, I saw a lot of people in my feed talking about how I don't play video games full time. I don't play video games for a job. I don't stream. You know, I don't make YouTube videos. I just like playing games in my spare time and nerfing the gameplay, the way that Blizzard nerfed Diablo 4 makes it not fun for people who are playing casually because it's like, I don't want this game to take me 400 hours to finish. So what if you have a small portion of your player base that's blasting through it? Like, good on them. They've finished it. And if they're mad, so what? Like, there's always going to be an imbalance and like tailoring your gameplay patches to a small portion of your player base instead of the bigger portion of the player base is always going to result in not good situations. I also think it's kind of funny that they're trying to address the issue of people blowing through the game because wasn't there an incentive for players to try and get to level 100 as fast as possible when it, this came out? It was like, oh, if X amount of people hit level 100 first, that's what you're going to get. And it's like, okay, now you're trying to slow those people down. Like that's kind of mixed messaging. Yes. No, you nailed it, Ozzy. It's absolutely mixed messaging. And I think that when we're talking about PvP specifically, balancing is so much more important and managing nerfs and buffs with specific classes is a very difficult task to make it balanced for the entire player base. But most of Diablo isn't PvP. The vast majority of Diablo is PvE and most of it's solo content if you're, you know, not playing with other people. So it's like, let people be overpowered. This is a conversation I know Rihanna and I have had with Destiny a lot too. I was going to actually bring up the Destiny comparison because honestly, it's what's turned me off of it. Like I love Destiny 2. I think it has great content. It is not enjoyable when you're playing the same level over and over and over again and you just can't get past it because you don't have 
the right weapon from this one like lost sector that you don't know where it is. And it's just, it's, it, it removes fun. Like, like the, and I do love that Adam like express that, you know, very clearly, like we know it's not fun right now. And I applaud them for acknowledging that. That's a really tough thing to say <laughs> as somebody who represents that game, but it's good that they realize and recognize that the majority of people do not appreciate this update. And hopefully they can course correct quickly. I know it's tough when the, the business models are all changing and like it's really tough for games to be profitable right now. Selling a game and having people play it and then move on is not always the path forward for a lot of these bigger companies. There's so many people who make Diablo and there, there's a lot riding on its success. And, and it's tough when, you know, people do finish it and move on and you don't want them to leave your community. You want them to stay a part of it. You want them to get excited about new updates and things like this really just throw off that flow. So I, I feel for the team. I really do, but I'm glad that they're at least listening. And they're listening to people who are saying things that are critical feedback, but useful feedback. We definitely don't need to harass anyone. Like you said, Andrea, it's a video game. Like, let's remember what this is. Let's not turn into a bunch of terrifying Karens over something that you elected to get involved with. And we're old enough to remember that Diablo 3 launch. We're old enough to remember how rough year one was for that game. And those problems- For a long time, that game was rough. Diablo 3's- first year was way worse than this and it ended up doing okay for itself by the end so you know hopefully this is just a bump in the road yeah it is and i think the vast majority of people who are not playing like serious end game content are not even going to see the patch notes they're not even going to see the fireside chat they're just going to keep playing and having fun with their friends and you know why why is it taking longer to level up (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean I always feel like it takes forever to level up once you hit a certain point in these, you know, ARPGs. But that's just because, again, I don't I don't play them as often as, you know, some of these power players are. So it's like, yeah, so what? You blew through one character. Roll another one. Turns out there's a bunch of classes you can check out. Just let people be overpowered. It's more fun. Yeah. Live the fantasy. on that crusader. Live the fantasy. Okay, so a couple in case you missed it to kind of round out some of the news that happened here. I wanted to mention that kind of under the radar, and I don't know if it was because of Comic-Con or I was just gone, but did you all know that Tencent just kind of quietly bought Techland? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) They snuck in there with that uh, controlling share. Yeah, so they're teaming up with Techland, as I should say. It says to steam ahead with their execution of the vision for our games, explained Techland's CEO, Paul Martrika. They continue, we have chosen an ally who has already partnered with some of the world's finest video game companies and helped them reach new heights while respecting their way of doing things. So Tencent just continuing their global domination of video games. And even they though- hand, They have a lot of hand, hand in a lot of cookie jars. Oh, yeah. I feel like their hand is in almost everybody's cookie jar it in is. a small or big way. <laughs> I think people just don't make it their her personality to defying them the way other ones do. Exactly. Well, also like the stake of ownership you know, varies quite widely. Mm. So Techland will retain full ownership of its intellectual properties. They're going to maintain creative freedom and continue operating independently. They're basically just saying, hey, Tencent, can you like help us fund cool stuff and then we'll give you some money for it? And Tencent's like, yeah, bro, sounds good. <laughs> so that's basically like the gist like, of We that. like money. <laughs> it's like a very reductive way of um, a very major transaction. <laughs> the Dying Light roadmap's not going to pay for itself. No, that is correct. There's a lot of Dying Light roadmap left to go. There is. Years worth. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because I think sometimes I'll get emails from them and I'm like, oh, they're still doing Dying Light 2. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, actually, they have they have more. There's, there's more. Oh, no, I have not forgotten that they said they have like two to three years of like 
DLC lined up. And it's just like, that's really cool, actually, to feel like you're paying 60 bucks and you're getting years of game and years of fresh content for however long. So, you know, if you're into Dying Light 2, and I kind of fell off of it myself, but if you're really into it, you know, it's a good time to be you. Borderlands, the movie is coming summer 2024. Woo! Yay! You'd think with a big announcement like this, we'd get a new trailer or uh-huh. a trailer, but there's not one. There's nothing. Or even, or even a cast list or anything. Like a poster art, something. I mean, well, we know a lot of people that are in the cast. Like, so yeah. let me pull up the everyone that's been announced so far because the cast is bonkers. It's and an we've incredible seen, okay, I'm excited cast. To hear this. So we've um, seen some of them too in costume. No. We, so there were some behind the scenes stuff that got shown and let me just read the cast so far so playing mad moxie is gina gershon playing larry is bobby lee uh krieg is being played by florian montano kate blanchett is playing lilith jamie lee curtis is playing dr patricia in fairness i mean the borderlands characters tannis. aren't that tannis I was like, why am I forgetting who this is? I'm just like, literally just like, <laughs> Jack Black is playing Claptrap. Uh, the wonderful- Oh, of course he is. Uh, Janita Gavankar is playing Knox. Kevin Hart is playing Roland. There's just- How is Kevin Hart not Claptrap? Nah, he's Roland. I see it. I see it, but you're right that I could also see Kevin Hart as Claptrap, and I think it would be hilarious. So, and this is just like a wild cast, and I can't wait- to see the first trailer for this movie. I just, I'm hoping against hope that it's going to be amazing and not bad. But <laughs> Like I, on I, paper, I'm not sold for a Borderlands movie. But then again, I wasn't sold for a, a Twisted Metal series and that looks pretty good. So, you know, I'll I give don't know chance. about that one. No? Not feeling Twisted Metal? Jury is out for me. I haven't seen anything yet, but from the trailers, I'm like, it could be really great. Okay, the trailer could be better, but. It could be great or it could be a flop. It's hard to know. It's hard to know. That's true. It is. I do like that I'm going into the series, though, with like limited expectations because I wasn't like a huge Twisted Metal player when this franchise was popular. And so I'm like, oh, I can just go in and enjoy this. And I don't have any stakes into specific characters making appearances or plot lines being just like they were in the original franchise. I'm like, I'm okay for this to go any direction possible. And I, I we like are that walking into this with an open mind. Right. Yeah. But Borderlands, the movie, not the same. I'm a diehard Borderlands fan, which is why I was mad that I couldn't remember Tannis's name. But <laughs> I'm telling you, y'all, like the COVID brain damage feels real. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm just like on like cuckoo bananas lately. I feel like I can't remember anything. But Jamie Lee Curtis and Kate Blanchett. Mm. Oh, I feel like they don't make flops. Wish I had more to tell you. Don't have more to yeah. tell you yet. But hopefully yeah. soon, because I'm very excited hopefully, about uh, it. Writers and actors can and actually some- get paid and they can go and promote this before 2024. <laughs> yes. I mean, all of the work filming this, I believe, was done before the strike. So I think. Oh, way, way before for sure. Yeah. So I think they're done with that part of production. I just but- want to see a, a decent campaign like leading up to it. Mm. Yeah, I hope the producers give the actors and the writers everything they're asking for because I want to go to this red carpet, please. Yeah. (laughs) There needs to be a red carpet for this, and I want to go. I want to (laughs) go. In case you missed it, last week, the Games for Change Festival happened. I was there. I hosted the Games for Change Awards 2023. It was very exciting. And for people who aren't familiar with Games for Change, they are a fantastic charity organization that has been putting on the festival for 20 years. It was the 20th anniversary this year. And it's all about games for good and impact games, games that are making people's lives better, that are putting positivity out into the world. And it was such a breath of fresh air 
for me to go to this festival and to meet game makers and other people in the Games for Good movement and just be reminded that there's so much positivity in the video game industry and so many people doing so many good things to enrich people's lives. Educational games with documented, data-driven research that shows that kids learn positive social and emotional skills from games, games showing that you can teach people about sustainability and climate change through video games, medical VR games that this one I keep referencing, Phantom VR, helps people who have who are amputees help manage their phantom pain in their limbs through VR and just so many wonderful cool things. So if you guys are interested at all in learning about Games for Change, please do go check them out at gamesforchange.org and the game of the year Winner at the Games for Change Awards was Endlane Extinction is Forever, which is this adorable game, but also very like poignant game about this little fox family and how they're trying to survive deforestation and being pushed out in the face of a changing planet and the humans that surround them and how the humans are impacted as well. And, you know, really, really great game. So 34 total games nominated at the Games for Change Awards and all doing something special and wonderful. Yay. Just wanted to give a quick shout out. I had a great time. Also, shout went out to, the, to you. Your, your went to the United Nations. <laughs> that was cool. Never done that before. Finally got to meet so Dr. Lupo in person. He was lovely. <laughs> so yeah, it was a really fun experience. I'm really glad that I got to go. And I'm very honored that the wonderful team at Games for Change invited me to be part of that. So very cool. And Congrats. hopefully we get to go together next year, Rihanna. It's going to be great. Yeah. Hopefully. Ozzy, you should come. That's cool. Well, I'd love to. All right, that's going to do it for our news for this week. We have lots of fun video games to talk about. Ozzy and I got to play Armored Core 6. And Rihanna and Ozzy have been playing Disney's Illusion Island. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. everybody it is the second segment of the what's good games podcast where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview events we have been to and this week we've got both but before we get to that i want to let you know this week's episode is brought to you by shopify abandoned carts rejected payments spotty support if you're selling online and something just isn't working you deserve an upgrade it's time for shopify Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, go you. Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify grows with your business no matter how far or big you grow. Thanks to an endless list of integrations and third-party apps. Anything you can think of from on-demand printing to accounting to even chatbots. Everything you're going to need to revolutionize your business is at Shopify. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers into buyers. Shopify is great for businesses of all sizes, even podcasts like ours here at What's Good Games, who just wanted a cool way to get custom merch into the hands of our listeners. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn in just to name a few, plus millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash what's good, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash what's good to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash what's good. 
This week's episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by Factor. Listen, everybody, we're in the heat of summer, and let's face it, it's too dang hot to cook. But you can't survive on popsicles alone, so maybe it's time to try Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Factor can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. Then get back outside and soak up the warm weather. Or don't worry about heating up your place with the oven after you spend all day cooling it down with your EAC. You know what I mean. It's hot. No one really wants to go outside, right? Treat yourself to 34 weekly restaurant-quality options like bruschetta shrimp risotto, green goddess chicken, and grilled steakhouse filet mignon ready in just two quick minutes. Keep your energy up with lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls and salad toppers that are ready to go when you're on the go. No microwave required. Round out your meal and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of 45-plus add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, and potato egg and bacon breakfast skillets. Oh, I'm hungry just thinking about bacon. Or if you want an easy wellness boost instead, try refreshing beverage options like cold-pressed juices, shakes, and smoothies. Are you hungry? Did I say that I'm hungry? Am I thinking about food? I'm definitely thinking about food. If you are too, head to factormeals.com slash what's good 50 and use our code what's good 50 to get 50% off. That's code what's good 50 at factormeals.com slash what's good 50 to get 50% off. Ozzy, I'm so glad that you're here this week to talk to me about Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. This is created by From Software people who have been making Armored Core for a very long time, but you may know them as the Souls people or the Elden Ring people. And it's being published by Bandai Namco. Thank you to Bandai for inviting us to come out and play the game. Ozzy, before we jump into what we saw and what we thought about it, let me know a little bit about your history with Armored Core. Do you have a history with Armored Core? Or are you like, I'm just, this is my first time? I do not have a history with Armored Core. I know that this was primarily a series that came out on the OG PlayStation. I was a Nintendo kid growing up, so I never got to experience this. So my time with Armored Core 6 was my first. And I'm going to go into this the way a lot of people that started gaming in the last 10 years are. They're going to know from software like, oh, these are the Souls people. These are these are the Bloodborne people. These are the Elden Ring people. Like, we're going to get like a big open world thing with mechs, right? Like, no, that's not what Armored Core is, dude. Like, Armored Core is a totally different thing. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how people react when the game comes out. Hopefully, they're managing their expectations properly. I'm going to play some of the new gameplay preview video that Bandai Namco put out earlier this week when the embargo lifted. So if you guys want to see some new gameplay and you haven't checked out any of the trailers yet, youtube.com slash what's good games. So we saw a little presentation when we were at the preview event, and they talked about the history of the Armored Core franchise, how it started in 1997, as Ozzy mentioned mentioned a long time ago. And the last main release was in 2013. And, you know, there's a couple of big pillars with the Armored Core franchise. Obviously, mech customization is a big part of that. So if you're into, you know, Gundams or mechs at large, and you've never played Armored Core, then this is a game you're definitely going to want to take a look at. So they have a couple different pillars of design when they are looking at Armored Core overall as a franchise, and also what the team at From Software is doing with Armored Core 6 specifically. So part of that for Armored Core 6 is about 3D level design with a sense of scale. So a lot of the From Software games deal with that sense of scale, but they really made an emphasis when we were watching the presentation talking about how the directional movement in this game isn't like what you played in those games where you're essentially on the ground fighting enemies, 
you know, front and back, you're a mech that can fly. So you're up, you're down, you're side to side, you're in the air, you're on the ground. And so there's a lot more verticality when you're moving through the world. This is at its core a third person shooter, but there's so many deep RPG and gameplay mechanics from combat at work here. And that's another one of the big pillars is, you know, battle design and assembly for your mech because building your perfect mech is a big part of the gameplay in Armored Core, which Ozzy and I are going to get into in just a second. You know, so the basic is that you have four weapons, one on each of your hands and then two on your back. So basically on the shoulders. And so, and those correspond if you're playing on controller to the shoulder buttons and the triggers on the controller specifically. And you know, that was helpful for me because getting a hold of just how the different weapons work and how you use them in tandem with the ones on your back, which typically have a faster like reload or refresh period, was a little bit of a, a learning curve. I like that they went out of their way to talk about their approach to difficulty, which is observation and learning and ultimately about goal achievement. This is nothing new to anybody who has played any From Software games. If you've played any of the Souls games or if you got into Elden Ring, you know that you can't just go in and be successful on your first try unless you're some kind of weird savant. <laughs> you're going to die a lot. And the idea is that you learn through death. And, you know, if you've listened to me, you know I have specific feelings about that, mostly not positive ones. But they framed it so nicely. Ozzy, I took these notes during their PowerPoint. They wrote down overcoming challenging situations and hard-won victories. And I almost guffawed out loud because I was like, oh, what a lovely way of saying you're going to get your ass beat and handed to you. <laughs> but when you finally beat that one boss, you're going to be like, yes, I'm king of the world. That one boss for us came at the end of the preview. But the interesting thing is people are going to wonder, is this as hard as the Souls games? And on the whole, no. And that's because it's structured fundamentally differently. This isn't a big open world. These are bite-sized missions that you get sent on because you're playing as a mercenary. You're playing as a merc and you're getting sent on jobs by different you know, mercenary groups. So your missions go like maybe average out five to 10 minutes. So just in that sense, it's a little easier that way because you're playing in more bite-sized chunks. But there is a lot of that from software difficulty in there. And the funny thing that I mentioned, the angle that I took for my preview specifically was that attack helicopter that you're seeing right now on screen, that comes in the tutorial level and it's hard. Like it, it tries to weed people out early. It goes, if you can't beat this helicopter, this is not the game for you. I literally had so to have a developer come over and get me through that fight because I knew that we only had a finite amount of time to play. And that happens a lot in these press events when we're invited to come play a game and you only have a couple of hours. It's like, well, I can either bang my head against a wall. And if I'm at home, I would just put the controller down, walk away, and then come back with fresh eyes and try it again and probably be successful after taking a break and thinking That's about it differently. But I can't <laughs> do that at a preview event. And so instead, I have multiple developers who work on the game standing behind me watching me fail over and over again which then just puts pressure on me and then I keep hitting the wrong buttons because they have this speed boost I think it's called armored assault where you click in the left stick and it gives you this like super powered like boost and you use it to do to close in to do like a high powered melee attack and I kept but you got to be locked on your target you have to be locked on and I kept accidentally hitting it like it was a regular sprint button and it's not a sprint button or a boost button it's a special 
one-time thing. And once you've activated the animation, you can't deactivate it. So you're just kind of like, if you hit it and you don't hit it in the right time, you kind of just like are flailing around going super (laughs) fast. And a lot of times it was me just running into walls, which was like, you know, not embarrassing at all when the developers who built the game were watching me play. Or in my case, I was charging right into the helicopter, but I was also charging into a bunch of missiles. So that wasn't ideal. And it kept blowing up. But to what you were saying, Andrea, once you learn from your mistakes and you make a lot of them at the beginning and you kind of figure out the opening, you kind of figure out how everything works and you manage to take that thing down, man, it feels good. Yeah. It feels really good. I definitely had way more fun playing this game than I anticipated. And I'm not traditionally a big mech shooter or, you know, mech RPG person, but, you know, they made it really approachable. So, you know, in the first chapter that we were playing, you get access to a variety of mech parts. So your mech is super customizable. You can change your arms, your legs, your guns. You know, you have different internal components to your mech that, you know, affect a variety of specs as well. And so you can really kind of choose, you know, do you want to go for a more like lightweight mech that's more agile and, you know, has, you know, faster paced weapons, or do you want to go more tanky, you know, like very traditional RPG archetypes, but in mech form. And you earn money on missions when you're going out, as Ozzy mentioned, you go out and you, you know, play a bunch of different missions. And what I really liked about the missions is that they are in a bunch of different scenarios. So some of the missions are quick and easy, and some of them are really hard. And I talked to the team at From Software about like the mission design, and they said, you know, we wanted to give a balance. We wanted to give people breathers from, you know, if you come right off of like a really intense boss fight. You know, we wanted people to be able to come back and like go out on a mission and just earn some money quickly. And the missions are replayable, meaning you can go back and grind missions to earn additional rewards to go buy some of the mech parts that you want. But they told me in my interview with the team that they did not design the overall gameplay progression so that you have to go and grind the missions over again, which I really appreciate because that was something that I kind of got a little triggered about being a big Destiny player. And like you have to grind a lot of those missions over and over and over again to get the right weapons, the right parts in order to progress through some of these crazy boss fights at the end of campaigns or raids or whatnot. And I like that they just called out, they're like, yes, you can absolutely go back and replay the missions and get better scores and earn more money. But going and doing so is just going to allow you to experiment with different kinds of builds. It's not going to make it so that like you don't have to build the progression isn't gated artificially so that you are forced to go back and play does that make sense it does and one thing that the team mentioned is that every mission is doable at the very least the base mech now just because they say it's doable with the base mech does not mean it's easy with the base mech as we as we got to towards the end of our demo There is a much badder boss, and this is one that every one of us at the press event were talking about. There's this big hulking tank called the Juggernaut. It has a big armored front. You can't damage it from the front. You have to hit it from the back. You have to be really quick to hit it. And the thing is, it's so fast, it's so quick, that it'll turn on a dime and you won't be able to hit it, and it'll crush you within a few seconds. It's technically doable with the base tank, but the devs were coming up to me and they go, you know, you're actually going to want to go with the reverse jointed AC. You're going to want to go with the reverse jointed mech that lets you jump over it, and that way you can get more shots off. 
Now, unfortunately, by the time I got that piece of advice, I was out of credits. So I couldn't go in and build the uh, reverse jointed mech. So I had to go in and replay a few missions in order to make up those credits. So you got to watch what you spend in this game, at least in the early going. Yes, or you just got to go back and replay missions and grind, right? I think like that's... You know, an interesting way of, of looking aren't at that it. Long. No, no, most of you're right. Most of the missions aren't that long, and I think overall, I really had a fun time playing. And there's a whole bunch of things with customization, and they have a lot of things that I, I didn't mention with customization that I want to just like touch on quickly. One of the things that I thought was really neat is that they're going to have this online component called Share ID, where you essentially create like a profile with the game, and then you can essentially upload your build out that you have with your mech, with your armored core, I should call it, because that's what it is. It's an AC. And other players can then download your AC build and then use that as a loadout. And you'll be able to have multiple loadouts for different kinds of encounters. Like you said, if you wanted to have a specific loadout with a specific set of legs or guns for a specific mission or boss fight, you're going to be able to have multiple loadouts. And I thought that that was a really cool feature that they've added, the ability for people in the community to create specialized AC builds. And then if you're like, hey, that's awesome. I don't have time to create a specialized AC build, but I want to download somebody else's, like somebody you follow or a friend or somebody who made a guide or whatnot. I think that that's a really cool feature. Something that I've really come to appreciate about From Software Games is that even though they are single player, there is a core social element to it. And there's something that makes you want to just tell stories about your experience with your adventures. And there's a lot of that in Armored Core, whether it's how you build your your AC loadout or how you approach missions, because there's a freedom of approach to every mission. You can take it head on. You can take it as a stealth mech. You can take it as a try and just be agile and avoid every incoming shot and try and avoid those sniper cannons at the far end. But everybody approaches these things differently. And I always appreciate that social aspect of the game. Absolutely. And I had a lot of fun playing this though I was frustrated but I do need to call out some things that I was a little disappointed in. So during my playtime, I noticed that at the end of each mission you'll get like a mission report and part of that mission report shows things like repair cost, ammunition and overall penalties and I looked at it going huh I wonder why I'm always being docked for these things because the way that it works is each mission has like a set reward, like a set amount of credits. Like let's say it's like 10,000 credits you'll get if you complete. And you're deducted from that 10,000 credits for things like repair. So you have, I believe, is it three repair kits for the for each mission? And once you're out of them, essentially you're dead and you have to start the mission fully over again. And each repair kit that you use deducts from your final money that you get. And then ammunition cost. This is the one I think that I had the most <laughs> amount of issues with. And the reason I say this is because it just shows to me a design philosophy of punishment versus encouragement. And this has been a long time issue I've had with a lot of From Software games and the way that they create their gameplay flow and their gameplay loop. That to me, it feels like you go into it knowing the gameplay is intended to punish you, not reward you when you do well. And they talk about, you know, in their presentation, they talked about this idea of hard-won victories. And I said, yeah, obviously, like overcoming something challenging feels great. But like, why the philosophy that you need to punish. And the ammunition cost was the thing that kind of really set that off for me when I was thinking about this. I was like, so this is a mech shooter 
where I literally need to shoot things to progress through the level. Like it's almost impossible for me to go through a level or mission in Armored Core without firing a single bullet. But you're going to punish me for firing a single bullet and then punish me for every bullet I fire after that by deducting my rewards at the end. And I just couldn't wrap my head around it. And so I had asked one of the developers, I was like, why this choice? And they said, well, we want people to be mindful of how they're using their ammunition. We want people to be mindful of how accurate they're being when they're fighting. I go, okay, a lot of games do that. I can get behind that. But why not instead reward people for spending under a certain amount of ammunition? And then the lower ammunition you use, the bigger the bonus you get versus we're just going to deduct you no matter how many bullets you use. And then the fewer bullets you use will deduct less. I'm like, the psyche of it to me just didn't sit right and I couldn't let it go. And I'm like, this is such quintessential from software. And I just like, I just didn't like it. I wonder if there's like a subtle military industrial complex commentary in that mechanic. I mean, maybe. I honestly just think, you know, having interviewed them at this event, that this is a team that's been working together for a very long time. And the philosophy of their studio is just, it is what it is. And this is the way we make games. And that's just the way we think about it. And I get that that's just different strokes, different folks. And I just like decided that like, I just, you know, life is fucking hard, man. I don't, I don't know if I want to be around for a philosophy of game design. That's like, we're just here to punish you, not reward you. I want to be, I want to live in a power fantasy where I feel good and I'm doing cool things. And I'm not saying that it can't be challenging or hard and that it can't be really unique and innovative design. I'm just like, it's all about the way you frame it. Am I being unreasonable? No, and but I will say that I appreciate the sort of baby steps that from software takes with certain things. Uh, there was one mission where you're taking on this giant skyscraper-sized tank, and the way to bring it down is you got to take out the five weak points. I get about four of them, and I'm climbing all over this thing because it's ginormous. And I'm having trouble reading the radar because it's a 2D radar. And I'm just like, where is this last weak spot? And suddenly, like, your handler goes in your ear and he goes, hey, did you look under the belly for the last weak spot? And I go, did you just give me direction? What? Oh, I'm so appreciated. Yeah, I but if you fall off of that giant mech, which you will, they, which you they take away your health. And then you have to do the whole thing over again. Oh, no. Like, if you fall off, like, it's over. You, got, you have to start over because it escapes. It's just... It's part of learning, Andrea. I know. I, I think the reason why I called it out was because I also, during my interview time, asked them about accessibility. Because a big difference between Armored Core from gameplay design and visual design versus some of their more recent releases, you know, the, the Demon Souls remake, and of course, Elden Ring is the game that, you know, a lot of people reference, is that you can see from the gameplay that we've been showing from the trailer that Bandai Namco released on YouTube, is that there's a lot of visual elements, a lot of colors, a lot of flashing, it's very fast-paced, there's a lot happening, the HUD is semi-difficult to read, um, you have to really practice reading it, and I had asked, I said, hey, like, there was a lot of audio and visual cues that would make or break my ability to succeed at these intense boss fights. What are you guys doing for accessibility in regards to visual and audio cues? Because this isn't just like Elden Ring where you're like have a giant sword and you're fighting a boss and you can kind of slow it down and watch the patterns. There's like missiles and rockets and explosions and there's alarms and like all kinds of things. You're in the air, you're on the ground. It's frenetic and fast paced. And that's what's exciting about the gameplay, but also really challenging for some players. And they said to me in my interview, 
there's a lock-on mode. And so I rephrased the question, thinking maybe this was a translation issue because there was a translator there for all the questions. They essentially told me that there are no accessibility settings in the game at all. And I was not surprised to hear that, knowing from software's track record with accessibility, but I was very disappointed knowing how successful Elden Ring was and how loud the conversation was about accessibility around Elden Ring that with this next game and how financially successful their last game was that they didn't put more investment into accessibility. And it just seemed to me based off the answers that I got that accessibility is not a focus or a care at Farm Software. And I'm very disappointed by that. I almost wonder if that's something that Bandai Namco can take up. Like just hire an outside developer to like work on the accessibility features on something like that. Maybe throw in. I I don't think that that's how it would work. I think that bringing in an outside developer into their code. Right. It would compromise. It would compromise the vision. I guess. I don't think it would compromise the vision. I just think that from a from a pipeline of development and how games are made, that that would be a, a, a very difficult task for someone to do. I think I knew going in, and like I know that there's plenty of people out there that like to rag on me, but like I truly believe From Software is an innovative, creative studio doing really cool things, making games that people love. And I just am so disappointed that they just don't seem to care at all about making their games accessible to play. And it goes back to the conversation of, I'm not talking about making it easy. I'm not talking about making baby ass baby mode, though I personally want that. That's not what this is about. It's about like things like I asked them, I go, one of the big keys is that there's these two meters that change between red and yellow. And I said, are you guys offering a colorblind mode? And like, no, there's no plan to offer a colorblind <laughs> mode. I'm just like, okay, well, it's 2023. Are you just willfully ignoring the conversation around accessibility or you just don't care? And it feels like, I, I mean, don't know. So it sounds like we hate to phrase it that way, but that is what it comes across as. And it's just a bummer because I really want to support the work that they're doing. And it's frustrating when I also like I'm a huge advocate for accessibility in games and do a lot of work with people in that space. And it feels like they just don't care. And I'm like, what a bummer, man. It could be a win. It could be a great story if you're like, yeah, we heard everybody talk about how accessibility should be part of our games. And we want you to know we listened and we're working on it. That's not the message I got. Basically, if you're a From Software fan and you've played Armor Core before and you've really enjoyed those games and you really love that gameplay style, then this is probably the game for you because it looked pretty good, felt pretty good, felt real polished, looks like it's going to be fun. They're adding multiplayer in. I think they just announced like a 6v6 PvP mode where you can, you know, bring your mech online and kill other people's mechs. And I think that all sounds super cool. I walked away, like I after my gameplay session, I was like, this is cool. Can't wait to do my interview. Did my interview and was like, oh, that's a bummer. I walked away from this and I'm not a From Software guy. I wasn't able to get into Elden Ring as much as most people. I'm definitely not into the Souls games, but uh, I liked what I saw out of Armor Core. I, I think it is more my speed. And just, just the way it's structured with the individual missions, I think that's more my thing. Yeah, and so the game is coming out very soon, right? August? Less than a month. Added to the growing list of games <laughs> in the, the year of wonder for video games, 2023. Rihanna, thank you for your patience in listening to Ozzy and I talk extensively. <laughs> about Armored Core 6. But another fantastic game came out this week. You have been playing Disney's Illusion Island. I have. Take a sip, everybody. This is a Disney game. <laughs> uh, and no, I did not get access from John Drake. 
<laughs> but yeah, so my husband Danny and I have been playing here at the house in co-op mode. And I gotta say, I'm having a really great time with this one. So hopefully we can end our hands-on on a slightly more positive note. But Disney Illusion Island, it's, I think, Ozzy, you said this before we started recording, baby's first Metroidvania, right? Like, Absolutely. It, it's a really approachable game. There's so much life and so much character and a lot of those original Disney characters personalities and tones and humor are like weaved throughout the entire experience there's cutscenes with some laugh out loud funny dialogue like shout out to Delala for for really nailing that and there were moments where I was like wait is that is that really what they wrote like that's so funny they got making a Disney Metroidvania in my mind perfect I think they really nailed what I wanted to experience in playing this. So if you're not familiar, this is going to be uh, up to four players can play on the same screen at the same time. Player one will determine where the camera is. If you separate too far from them, you turn into a little envelope and then fly back to them like a paper airplane. It's really cute. You're uncovering parts of the map by moving left and right, traversing different obstacles. You unlock Additional move sets through, you know, mechanic in the game. There's a character who will help you upgrade your your traversal skills. And all of these skills are tailored to whichever character you pick. So Danny played as Mickey in our time. I played as Minnie. You can also play as Goofy or <laughs> oh, our, poor, our poor little guy. I'm sorry. Donald's the butt Donald, of a lot of jokes in this game. Yeah, Donald is. Duck got, the, got such a rough go of it in a lot of the dialogue and even some of the... Some of the other characters just like they really raggled him pretty hard. It's it's funny. But yes, so you have those four characters to choose from. They all have the similar move pattern, but they have different ways of getting around the map that are unique to them and their characters. So it's really cool to see that variety. And the animation is beautiful. All the environments are really engaging and the the backtracking and finding different places that you can go to unlock new sections of the map is made really, really clear. There are different signposts that you can see on your map of the overall world that indicate whether or not you can get there. So if you're hitting a wall, you see there's something shiny on the other side or just out of reach, you know why. You know that you don't have to try to jump harder or <laughs> like time something a little bit better. You know you just physically cannot get there because you haven't unlocked that traversal move yet. So it telegraphs a lot of stuff. And again, this is making it super approachable. This is making it easy to understand so you're not getting frustrated or wasting a lot of time. And the time that it did spend, we were about maybe like five and a half hours in. I'm loving every bit of it. It's super inventive, and I can't wait to keep playing it. As a Metroidvania veteran, I have to say, this is not a game to play by yourself. Like <laughs> There are way better Metroidvanias out there for the single-player person. Playing alone, it gets... It, there's no nice way to say it. It gets boring. Yeah. But if you have a significant other, if you have family, if you have kids, this is a great game. And... It's so easy to get into. It's so user-friendly. I wasn't as big a fan of the humor as you were, Rihanna. I think <laughs> a lot of it is hit and miss. But there is a lot of that uh, wonderful world of Mickey Mouse humor. And my first impression of it when I first saw it revealed a year ago, I thought it was like, oh my god, it's it's Rayman. It's life after Rayman. It's not quite Rayman. And for one thing it, to note, it's interesting because you don't confront the enemies directly. There is no combat. You have to dodge all the enemies. And even in the boss fights, there are more puzzles than they are like direct confrontations. So I thought that was a really cool, unique twist to it. And just like you said, the artwork is amazing. The background is beautiful. The music is kind of very Fantasia-esque. 
and kind of fits whatever scene they're in. And now that I'm seeing it in the trailers, this game knows how to appeal to the Disney adult because it's not just a collectathon, but this is a collectathon for Disney people. And that includes hidden Mickeys everywhere. And that's just like, if you see a hidden Mickey, you got to take a picture in front of it and you collect it and everybody feels good about themselves. So I love that there's a lot of things to do in this game. The world is bigger than you might suspect from a game like this. It is huge. And the fast travel wasn't always clicking for me, but it's still a fun world to explore and I enjoyed my time with it. I actually haven't played it yet. I played it at Summer Game Fest, but my code came in, and thank you to the team at Disney for sending me a code, and I was on the road, and I had my Steam Deck with me and not my Switch, and then John promptly took it and was like, I'm going to play it, actually. And I was like, <laughs> haven't you been playing it? And he's like, no. I was like, fine. And if we haven't mentioned it yet, this game was made by a studio called um, Dalala Studios and in partnership with Nintendo because it's you know exclusive to the Switch. And yeah, it looks cool. I had fun playing it when I went to the preview event during Summer Game Fest. And I know Brittany had a great time. We mentioned it on our Summer Game Fest episode. And it just like, look, the art style is just so cool. I was pleasantly surprised that Dalala's studios had this in them because the last game they did was 2020's Battletoads and I thought Battletoads was much more of a miss I thought it was a game with an identity crisis I thought the humor wasn't good at all and I thought the only thing it had really going for it was the art style and it's something that it looks to have taken with them to this new Mickey game their style fits Mickey Mouse a lot better and I think this is a great fit excellent so I guess if you're looking for a fun family-friendly adventure with the Fantastic Four <laughs> nice. All those Fs. Say those Fs five times fast. Someone get her on the marketing team. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, they don't even pay me for this, but they should. Disney's Illusion Island. So glad everyone had a great time and I'm um, glad y'all playing some games. Rihanna, we're going to have to connect soon because I've been uh, revisiting Hades on my Steam Deck. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love hearing this. Uh, this makes me so happy. I haven't played it because I played it when it came out. I never finished it, but I started it on my Switch. And now that I have my Steam Deck, I'm like, well, you know, Hades 2 is coming out at some point. I should probably go back and finish that game. And oh boy, I forgot how oh, good yeah. that game is. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Just need a little oh. a little something to play before Immortals of Avian comes out in a couple weeks. And then we got Baldur's Gate. Oh, and then, then yeah, it's, that is right before everything. And then oh, it's just man. madness. Then it's just oh. madness. The floodgates open from there. Yes. Yes, exactly. Well, thank you so much to Ozzy for being on the show. Ozzy, where can people find you if they're not already reading all of your cool reports on Shack News? I'm at twitter.com slash at Oz two Z's as we talked to with Andrea earlier. Two Z's underscore Mejia. That was a whole thing where I was trying to get it like 13 years ago. And you know what? Why change my identity now? Do I look like Elon Musk to you? <laughs> so I'm not going to be changing my Twitter handle. But I'm also on threads. Ozzy G Mejia. That's a lot easier to say. So go ahead and find me on We'll put your links in the show notes. So if you guys want to check out Shaq and check out Ozzy online, you can do so by clicking those links below. Thank you so much, friend, for coming on the show. I definitely still want to reach out to Garnet and get a We Can Confirm reunion happening. The last time I tried to organize it, Christian, Jeff, and Garnet were like going back and forth like the old days about scheduling. And it's like, who's in charge and who's going to do this? And I was like, just let me be in charge because it will actually get done. All right, boys. <laughs> Always have to get them in line. But we want to make that happen someday. So this was a really fun opportunity for us to podcast together so we should do it again sometime absolutely i appreciate the invite and always love the show and i love hearing you ladies every week and you know it's a wonderful community and i'm just happy to be here oh thanks ozzy we love everyone in our community thank you everybody out there hope you have a fantastic week stay cool drink some water and we'll see you next time bye